This is Boss Tone Radio, Talk for Guitar, presented by BossUS.com. Hi, Paul Hansen here, the host of Boss Tone Radio, and today on the show we have J.B. Brubaker, lead guitarist and co-founder of the young heavy metal band August Burns Red. In 2007, their album Messengers pushed them into the front of the metal scene with just about no hype. They debuted at 81 on Billboard's Top 200 and quietly sold 80,000 copies. (laughs) Their current album, Leveler, was number one in Billboard's U.S. hard rock charts. August Burns Red is a very busy band. They've been selling out venues all around the world. And before we talk to JB, let's listen to a couple excerpts from their new song, Empire, from their Leveler album. Here goes. JB, now a good time to talk? Yeah, totally, man. So sorry about yesterday. No problem. I heard you went to uh, a Phillies game. Yeah, that's right. I had, I bought my dad and I tickets to go to a game for his birthday like a month and a half ago, and I totally spaced on the date when I originally scheduled this. So it just you know made me think that I need to go to a baseball game with my dad, too. <laughs> that must have been really <laughs> right good. On. Yeah, you should, dude. Yeah. Did the Phillies win? No, they actually lost yesterday, unfortunately, but we still had a nice time. Can't win them all. Yeah. JB, you're in Mannheim, Pennsylvania. Where Where the heck is that? <laughs> Mannheim, Pennsylvania is a small town about a half hour outside of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour and a half away from Philadelphia. I was born and raised here, and after traveling a lot, you kind of appreciate the, the simple things that you grew up you know, being around city but all my friends and family are here so it's it's home you know hey let's talk about how august burns red got started you joined around 2003 that's right um i'm one of the original members uh, there's, there's three original members left our drummer matt griner and the other guitar player brent rambler uh-huh. and you know brent and i were, were good friends in high school he was a year behind me but we were buddies coming up just had similar interests in music and stuff and and Matt, he was homeschooled. Homeschooled. So I didn't really know him except that a buddy of his who was also homeschooled worked with me at the local grocery store. So I met Matt through this kid who actually was our original bass player. He quit in 2006. Huh. So that's kind of how, you know, we all just had an interest in, in heavy music and stuff. What age did you start playing guitar? I started playing when I was 18. I bought my first guitar as sort of a graduation present for myself after I finished high school. 
Wow. So you started a little bit, little bit late. Did you learn all the songs like Sweet Home Alabama and stuff like that? Or <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I was way into punk rock at the time. And, and that's what I started out learning, like, you know, four chord punk songs. And I started out learning power chords, not like the, you know, the open GCD type stuff. Uh-huh. I was bad at, at everything for like the first two years I played. I mean, it wasn't something that was very serious at the time. And uh-huh. I enjoyed going to shows and listening to music. Uh, uh-huh. But I was I was pretty bad at playing it for for a while, which I guess is normal when you're starting out on an instrument. Yeah, are you in your twenties right now? Yeah, I'm 27. Wow, so you've really only been playing guitar for nine years. Yeah, nine years. Which hey, is, you'd be amazed at what you can accomplish in nine years, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. People ask me how long I've been playing, and it doesn't matter how long you've been playing. And uh, you're obviously very good. Do you feel like you had natural talent, or was it pretty much hard work to get to well, where you are? Yeah, I, I think that it was more work. I think I always had natural talent as far as being able to like come up with guitar riffs and writing songs and stuff. Uh-huh. I'll always say that I'm a better songwriter than I'm a guitar player. I feel like I'm much more creative than I am as far as getting down on the guitar and shredding. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've gotten better and better as the years have gone on, but I still look at some of my peers who play in metal bands and stuff, and I'm like, geez, these guys could play circles around me. People will tell me, like, oh, you're such a great guitar player. And I'm like, thank you, yeah, I appreciate that. But kids, who they come to our shows and stuff and, and think I'm, like, the best guitar player in the world. I'm just like, wow, you, you need to listen to some other guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I, I have to say that, you know, I'm kind of an older guy, like your dad's age, and um, I got to tell you, your band is one of the first like metalcore bands where I really, I really like it. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I especially dig the lyrics. A lot of times bands will shout obscenities and just uncreative stuff for shock value. But mm-hmm. I think you guys' lyrics are great. Do you write the lyrics too? I don't write hardly any lyrics. I predominantly do the, the music. That takes up enough of my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I noticed something about your kind of formula when because the lyrics are are kind of shouted in that style uh, you're at the same time on the choruses and sometimes on the verses you're playing these melodic single note lines which adds melody underneath the shouted lyrics which i don't know i just i think it really works um is this something you thought about or did this just evolve the style um that is actually something I, I've, I've thought about. I, I totally understand that the music we're playing, like our vocalist, doesn't contribute anything melodically. Uh-huh. And I love melody, and we've done like some covers over the years. Uh, if you do like a cover, the one that comes to mind, and I'm not actually proud of this, but we did a cover for a compilation called Punk Goes Pop, and we did a Britney Spears cover. I, I heard it, man. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Not, not one of my favorite things we've done, but when I was writing that, I was like, geez, like, how are we going to get, like, the melody of the song into this song with Jake just screaming? Yeah. And I was like, I got to play it in the guitar line, otherwise no one's going to have any idea what song this is. Oh, man. Uh, you know, at first, when I was listening, I listened to it, heard it yesterday, and uh, at first I didn't recognize the song at all. And, um, <laughs> and then... I just think what you guys did with it is really cool. It's completely 
your version. You can kind of tell it's Hit Me Baby one more time. Yeah. We had trouble making that sound like something recognizable, I think. It, it, you know, you can't take a, a pop song and scream it, generally speaking. It just doesn't work. Well, I, I think it worked. Oh, thanks. Even though this isn't one of JB's favorites, I gotta play this. This is an excerpt from August Burns Red playing Hit Me Baby One More Time, the Britney Spears song. JB, you guys, you signed to Solid State Records in 2005, and then 2006, you recorded Thrill Seeker with Adam Dutkowitz. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, that's correct. Dutkowitz. Yeah, and Adam is in the band Kill Switch Engage, and he's become a prolific producer. Can you tell us about that album? Um, recording Thrill Seeker was, was a good experience for us. We had, no, we had never done like a, a real record before. And working with a producer who was, like, interested in shaping our songs and everything was also very new to us. You know, we did the whole pre-production thing with Adam where he sat down with us and scrutinized our songs, which at that time, I'm very grateful that we did that because we didn't really know what we were doing as far as songwriting stuff. We were just kind of figuring all that out. Mm -hmm. So Adam helped us to get the songs into a better place. And, you know, we were amazed at just how meticulous everything was. Uh, On the demos and stuff we had done in the past, it was like, okay, track it, that sounds good, next song. And with this, we'd be like, oh, that was a great take. And he'd be like, no, that was awful. Like, but it kind of, <laughs> and yeah. That was like a whole wake-up call for us. Like, whoa, like, recording is is meticulous. We we hadn't grasped that at all uh-huh. up until that point. So it was a, a good learning experience. Absolutely. And it also made me realize how much better myself and, and Brent needed to get a guitar if we were going to continue to to try to make a career out of this you know one thing i heard about you guys and adam dutkowitz is that you went to meet him at the airport and you guys kind of you don't really stand out as you kind of are regular looking guys and uh adam couldn't find you guys at the airport or something like that yeah i think he might walk right past us we were holding up a sign (laughs) for him to like find us he he said he was expecting to find like a bunch of guys with like Long black hair and yeah. black black pants, black shirt, you know, that whole, you know, your cliche metal thing. Yeah. But we were probably dressed in, like, cargo shorts and a, a J. Crew <laughs> polo or something. I don't even remember. <laughs> I think it is so cool the way you guys dress. Just, like, I mean, just, like, casual, regular guys. Right. We didn't want our music to dictate our style of dress because none of us really ever dressed to the scene that we were, I guess, involved with. We mm-hmm. just thought that was kind of silly. That's really cool. So you guys have been touring for the last eight years. Mm-hmm. You started off, what type of venues w- did you start off playing? We did a lot of fire halls, legion halls, VFW halls, that kind of stuff. Just basically wherever we could get shows. Seldom did we do clubs. Like the whole idea of having stage monitors and or a sound check was completely foreign to us for the first few years. Wow. Um and I actually started out promoting a lot of the shows that we would play in, in Lancaster. There was an American Legion hall that, that I would put on local shows and have, you know, hardcore bands come through on small touring packages and stuff. And that, I basically did that 
to try to make money for the band so we could buy merch and a van and stuff. Uh-huh. And just so we could have, so we could open up for bands who people actually like had heard of and wanted to come see so we could kind of get a little bit more exposure. Wow. So you booked the shows and set up other bands and uh, sold merchandise and you kind of took a real business type approach. Definitely. I've always been very business minded and I was actually in college for for marketing and business uh-huh. and I, I unfortunately dropped out why well, I, I shouldn't say unfortunately because I love what I'm doing now but oh, yeah. I dropped out a year before I finished but I certainly learned a lot in while I was in school uh-huh. and trying to do the band at the same time it was certainly a great learning experience wow and I noticed you guys have really been busy you've been touring let's see I have a list in 2009 you recorded messengers 2010 constellations 2011 your new album leveler an album of a year it's actually like an album every two years i think messengers we did in 07 constellations was in 2009 oh okay and then leveler was of course this year now you have jason sukoff as your producer he's produced all that remains and trivium and what's it like working with him um it's a it's, it's a roller coaster um, Jason, we get along with him great, but he drives us bonkers at the same time. He's he's kind of a weird dude, and he would be the first to admit that. I mean, he he's a little bit difficult to get on task sometimes. <laughs> We're always chomping at the bit, especially when we come in to record a record, because we write everything and have our songs bounce solid before we go in to track them. Uh-huh. But when we get there, we're like, sweet, let's let's bang this out. We're like, we're pumped. Can't wait to hear this stuff come together. And Sukhoff would be like, uh, relax, let's sit down, let's watch cartoons a few hours. And, but, you know, once you can get him on on track, it's great. He has good ideas and he has a great ear. He knows music very well. He's very intelligent when it comes to, you know, songs and music theory and all that stuff. Well, the, um, the end result are really good albums. Um, can you go through your recording process? You, you guys, sure. you, you record the bass and drums first rhythm tracks how does that work we always do drums first and matt actually our drummer he i I tab all of our music out in a a midi program called tabit wow instead of actually recording scratch guitar matt has just recorded to listening to these midis in his ears while he while he tracks oh i mean we've been doing that since we first started writing writing songs ever since thrill seeker i've been tabbing everything out so that's something we're very comfortable with at this point as a band. So he's he's not playing with you guys, he's playing with the MIDI files? Yes, with the exception, I, I should say with the exception of on Leveler, because on Leveler we uh, we did do scratch guitars beforehand. Oh. We did like pre-production demos on our own. He, he had the luxury of hearing real guitars that time. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that helps to make the perfection of your music? That's one thing I notice is that, you know, your 16th notes are just precise and uh, everything's very tight. Uh, I mean, just played precisely. Well, I definitely think we're very mechanical as far as that stuff goes. And that might be a result of me spending so much time in front of the computer with my guitar in my hand because mm-hmm. I have to, you know, drop every note exactly on the grid so it sounds right with the click track. And and that's very time-consuming, but it gets so the songs, the songs are perfect, like every hit's there. It wow. just sounds, you know, it's just computer sounds instead of actual guitar sounds. But I think I think it's helped us at least analyze and scrutinize every single note and beat 
that we're writing. Here's another excerpt from August Burns Red's uh, album Leveler. This is called Division. JB, continuing on with how you record, um, this is really fascinating. So Jason, the producer, gets all the mics, maybe, I don't know, the, it's a double bass kit, probably 16 mics or something like that, and he captures all the drums? Yeah, I couldn't even tell you how many mics he set up for, for Leveler. I mean, he had a whole big room. The The kit looked like a, looked like a monster covered in <laughs> microphones, and then he had a whole bunch of room mics spread all over the place. I mean, you definitely went to town. So after the drums are captured, do you guys do the guitars and bass together? We do drums, and then we actually do rhythm guitars. Uh-huh. Bass is actually usually comes after we're all done with guitars, unless we're on some sort of time crunch. But usually we finish all the guitars, including you know our overdubs and our clean, and then we do bass and vocals sort of at the same time. Like, Jake will do a, you know, he'll spend a couple hours doing vocals, and then Dustin will, will come in and do bass the rest of the day. When you record guitars, do you have a scratch track with the vocals or not? No. In fact, the vocals are the thing that would change the most coming into the studio. Jason's a great vocal producer, uh-huh. and usually we have some, some ideas, some, you know, rough structure for vocals coming in, but... Jason and, and our singer Jake get together and definitely like change things up a lot, which is for the better because uh-huh. it's definitely not set in stone coming into the studio. Jason's in the control room. Jake is out in the live room. And at that point, is that when they kind of rewrite or rearrange? or? Yeah, they definitely they bounce ideas back and forth. And or Jason will have some vocal pattern in his head that he'll be like, try this. And then Jake will do it and they'll ah. i'm not i'm not in the room for that they like uh-huh. alone which is fine i'd rather not sit there and listen to dry screaming vocals <laughs> for hours on end. yeah hey well let's talk about gear a little bit okay. um you play ibanez guitars yep it looks like you have a green one and a blonde one mainly yeah i have a whole bunch of them i've been playing my green one pretty regularly over the past say 18 months or so so I'm sure a lot of pictures you're seeing would be with me with that green guitar. That pretty fond of that one. That ha- does it have EMG pickups? Yeah, it has an EMG 81 in the bridge and an 85 in the neck. One thing for me that's interesting, I noticed that you don't have a pick guard on your guitar, so the pickups are screwed into the wood. Is that correct? That is correct. Eddie Van Halen did that. You know, all pickups are slightly microphonic, so you not only it acts as a uh, regular pickup, but it almost acts as a contact mic. Do you, mm-hmm. do you feel like your guitars sound better than if you the pickups were screwed into a pickguard? I got to tell you, I have never played with a pickguard ever, so I couldn't even tell you if I would huh. know the difference. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So then your guitar goes into, I've got a picture of a whole bunch of Boss pedals. You used to have a pedal board, but now your pedals are in a drawer. Yeah, I have them racked up in my uh, 
in my road case. And I've got a picture, man, you've got a whole bunch of Boss ones. The Tremlo, DD7. By the way, on the DD7, do you use just the regular digital delay or do you use any of the analog or modulation type delays? Man, I wish I had it in front of me right now so I could tell you exactly what I was using. I've definitely used the modulation one before. Uh-huh. Um, I don't believe that I've used the analog setting. Uh-huh. I think I, I think I actually do use the modulation one on on a regular basis. I think that might be where I have it set. I notice you have a NS2 noise suppressor. Yeah. Do you put that before the delay? Well, I run my I run my delay, tremolo, and reverb all through the effects loop. So they're not even in the same chain with my noise gate. So the noise gate is after the guitar. That's correct. And then... Well, yeah, yeah, I think that's correct. <laughs> I know. After a while, you get it all set up and it's working, and then, yeah, right. you start to forget. I notice you have a RV5 digital reverb. Do you use that for clean things? Yeah, I use that on my clean, and I also use it on my lead stuff, on my lead channel. The delay, I noticed that you have a FS5U for tapping in the delay rate. Yep. Do you tap in the delay for solos? Yeah, definitely. I actually... I'm in a habit of tapping in the tempo for, for every time I switch on my delay. It's kind of something I've become really, like, obsessed with doing. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't know if it would even be that noticeable out front to the audience, but... I think uh, it is. You know, I want it to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, having a delay in rhythm... I mean, just about every record, the delay's in rhythm. Right. One of the things I like about the DD7 is that even if the delay is off... You can tap in the tempo. Do you do that? Yeah, definitely. I tap in the tempo before I switch it on all the time. Yeah. I seldom am tapping it as the delay is on. I like to get it set up. There are times where the tempo of the song will change at the same time my you know, my lead with a delay would start, and in which case I, I have to tap it at the same time as the delay being on. Mm-hmm. But not a big deal. I notice on your pedal board here... You have a cable going directly into the TU2. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mute the TU2 and then unplug the guitar and switch guitars? Um, if I'm going to switch guitars, I would just mute my the pack on my wireless ah. that's attached to my strap I to change. I, I don't. I don't ever have to touch my any of the cables on my actual pedal board. I read that you have the RJM. Is it the effects gizmo that you use to? switch effects in and out yeah it's it's called the rg16 is the midi interface and then i use uh-huh. the rjm music mastermind uh midi switch pedal to control all those all those pedals i have up in my rack so the mastermind is basically a whole bunch of loops and you insert the pedals in those loops and then you save whatever whatever combination and order yeah. of pedals and then that's a preset yeah, and it's really cool. I can control the channel on my amp as well. Uh-huh. You know, I can, with one button, I can, you know, completely change my tone and, and my effects pedals that are that are on and, and active. It, it looks like you pretty much exclusively have Boss pedals, except for you have a Tube Screamer in there also. Yeah. And then... Use the Ibanez uh, TS9 for, for a little bit of a boost in my, in my gain. And then you have a PV6550. I I actually have a picture right here. It's got the, you've got two of them, a green one and a red one, and they both say Phillies on them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm a a big baseball fan, and I like to to show it off, I guess. That's cool. 
<laughs> Especially when they're, you know, winning team. Didn't they? Right. Did they win the World Series last year? No. They they won it in 2008. That's lost right. to the Yanks in 09 and unfortunately lost in the National League pennant series to the Giants last year. They should they should have went to the World Series last year, but well, you know, they weren't hitting. They weren't hitting when it mattered and they got beat unfortunately. Oh, I should ask you about. You guys are a Christian band, but you're not really kind of well, I didn't even really know you were a Christian band until I started reading up on you guys. Right. We're not a band who wants to go on stage and, and you know, evangelize. That's certainly not why I started playing music. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that, you know, we're a bunch of Christian dudes who are playing in a band together. And obviously that's going to rub off in our lyrical content and our demeanor and, I guess, the general wholesome level that mm-hmm. we we bring i mean there's not anything in our music that parents would be like uh you know i don't want my kid listening to this right so which i actually think is cool because i see so many bands and like you said earlier they got the whole shock value thing mm-hmm. for how young our audience is i don't want to be i don't want to have any part in like affecting these young impressionable minds negatively i think that's ridiculous and there's enough like juvenile delinquents out there i don't need to contributing to, to make more of those <laughs> your lyrics are clever yeah i love that about you guys thank you oh i wanted to ask you um about what tuning you use and your gate string gauge and that kind of stuff because you know the low tuning bands all have a different approach well we tune to drop c which is a cgc fad uh-huh. it's essentially drop d only a whole step down I use Diodario strings. I play 10 to 52, which I think is generally lighter than than our peers would be playing. I feel like a lot of guys are playing like 60s on the bottom and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't play that hard. I don't think my I don't think my right hand hits that heavy, Uh and I certainly don't have issues like hitting my strings out of tune or anything with with the gauge I'm playing. And I like having lighter stuff on top so I can you know bend my notes easier and have more more wiggle room as far as that as far as that's concerned does brent the other guitar player does he have about the same gauge strings he plays the exact same so i think those are probably called heavy bottoms or something because you yep. have the 5-0 on the bottom well i'm not ashamed i still play nine through 42s you know and nice <laughs> that sounds so light to me <laughs> yeah some people would say those are like girl strings <laughs> i'm sure yeah. you can bend yeah. For days with, with that. Vibrato and bend and stuff. And yeah, that's, that's cool. I just uh, was perusing the internet. Your videos are all just really interesting videos. I know that, that sometimes a producer will come in, video producer, with his ideas. Funny thing, I was just talking about Challenger Deep in Mariana's Trench, which is out by Guam, and I discovered you guys have a song. That was a really yeah. f- freaky video. With a Barbie and all the skeletons. Yeah, and stuff. The, that's not one of my favorite videos. I I, I must be honest with you. Uh-huh. We we were kind of in a position where we were on tour for so long mm-hmm. last year, and our label wanted more videos. Mm-hmm. We're like, well, look, we can't shoot a video right now. We're yeah, we're kind of on the on road tour for like three straight months. Yeah. So they got this guy to do like a stop motion video, and we really like the idea. However, I'm not as excited with the outcome of the video yeah he kind of went kind of out but um i also watched meddler empire and dang you guys just are slamming thanks yeah (laughs) 
Well, it's been awesome to have you on the show, JB. So I'm really excited that I got to be a part of this. I feel like just looking over the the artists that you guys do your podcast with, I feel like, you know, I'm in I'm in good company oh, here. Good. <laughs> hey, so any last words about Boss Gear? What can I say? Well, I'm, I, I've been using Boss stuff for years and years now. Um, one thing that I find remarkable is that the first the first tuner I ever bought was a TU2, and I bought it when I first started playing guitar in 2003, and I am still using the same TU2 tuner. <laughs> and I have taken this thing all over the world, and it's never broken. So I find that pretty <laughs> remarkable, especially considering how many times it's been ripped on and off pedal boards and thrown around in suitcases by baggage claim people at airports uh, and stuff. So. Yeah, they can be pretty tough on gear. Yeah, totally. Oh, any last advice for guitar players? Uh, man, I, I have advice, but it's it's terribly cliche. I mean, if you wanna if you wanna become a great guitar player, you know you you'll get out of it what you put in, and you have to put time in if you're gonna. It's not gonna come overnight, and I've I've learned that firsthand. I, I think one thing that's really beneficial for for young players starting out would be to to learn other people's stuff because it'll teach you to play stuff that is out of your comfort zone. And that's something that I feel like I, I could still do more of, and it would, it would certainly help me as a player. Mm-hmm. You get into, like, kind of your own groove, and it's sometimes hard to get outside of that box that you put yourself in. Right. So if you force yourself to sit down and, and learn something that, is, that you didn't write and would be challenging for you, you know, you'll, you'll only make yourself better in the long run. Well, JB, thanks very much for coming on the Boss Tone Radio Show, and uh, all the best to you guys. Are you thanks. are you on vacation for a little while now? Yeah, I'm actually off for two months. Our our singer's getting hitched in in a couple weeks, so oh, that's we're taking great. off for him to do the wedding honeymoon thing. Oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, so I'm enjoying some time at home with with my girlfriend and my family and stuff. Oh, that's nice. great. It's, it's long overdue. Great. <laughs> Okay, well, go Phillies, and um, thank you so much, JB. Thanks so much. Okay, right, talk to you talk later. To you. Underneath are some excerpts from uh, August Burns Red's version of the Christmas song, Little Drummer Boy. Just want to thank JB for coming on the show again. Thank you for using Boss pedals, Boss drum machines, Boss multi-effects, and all the cool recorders and stuff that Boss makes. Remember Boss's website? BossUS.com. This is Paul Hansen saying, see you later.